Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Light the Fight. I'm David. And I'm Heidi. And no sarcasm today until right now. <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was my sarcasm. That wasn't me sarcastic. Oh, Anyways. I was like, the the sarcasm is has no end. It has no end whatsoever. <laughs> well, I hope all you out there in uh, the world, whether you're, wherever you're listening to our podcast, hope you're having a great day. Hope summer's treating you well. And thank you, as always, for tuning in and having chores to to just have a moment by yourself. Put one of the AirPods in. Uh, I, I think it's the move to put one in and that way you can be half listening to where your kids are at and, you know, make sure that they're safe and, you know, nothing too bad is happening. They haven't destroyed something in the house. I think it's best just to put them both in and just block it out. Okay, it's so that's better. why we're here at Light the Fight. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi is our correspondent. She found out that that helps her block it out, but then it only makes her have to deal with more drama later. You know. It's a choice. It's a not choice. a good or a bad right. choice. <laughs> well, thank you guys, like I said, for visiting with us. And as always, and when I say always, I mean in two weeks now, we're brought to you by teencounseling.com. And if you haven't heard about teencounseling.com, we're giving both a personal and professional endorsement for that, or I'm given the professional endorsement for that. You know, I've been a therapist for, I can't remember how long now. I've been in the helping profession in counseling psychology for over 20 years now. And I'm so excited to tell you guys about teencounseling.com and how they've used technology to help us bridge the gap of connect with their teens. It's no secret to our listeners how difficult it is to find a therapist for teenagers. When I was going to college, they said, what do you want to specialize in? I said, teenagers. First thing they said, well, hope, Hopefully you realize you're building a mansion in heaven because you're not going to make any money on earth. That's the first thing. <laughs> and number two, they said, teens don't want to go to counseling. I don't know if I do that. I almost got into business psychology simply because I was told that working with teens wouldn't even pay the rent. They were right. It wouldn't pay the rent for many, <laughs> many years, but I stuck at it. I'm stubborn or I lack intelligence, whatever that word those is. Business, stupid. Yeah. Those business people <laughs> were not going to listen to you. Those business people weren't <laughs> buying the, the, the grown-up kid with vans. They're like, how are you supposed to help us increase our profit margin when you go to lunch at the nice sushi restaurant every day? Point is, teencounseling.com, they're going to connect you with therapists in your area that are licensed, that have the qualifications that you're looking for. They have a screening process, and here's how it works. Your 13-year-old will be meeting with a licensed professional counselor and spend most of the time on their phone, their smartphone with this counselor. So that means they can use the app, which is similar to like FaceTime, texting, and phone calls. The process simply starts by you starting filling out the short questionnaire to help you understand the relationship with your teen and help the therapist understand the relationship 
help the therapist understand what's going on in the family, your relationship with your teen, and the specific needs you're going to have. Once you've been matched up with the therapist in the network, the specialist um, is available to start communicating within 24 hours. Um, they will make sure that you get a chance to talk to the person, see the person's credentials, ask them questions, make sure that they're a good fit. Then once they've been approved, the counselor and your teen will begin communicating directly. Teencounseling.com, they are absolutely committed to facilitating the best therapeutic matches. Now, I want to just mention this. I, I said it last week, but suicide and certain really high, high intense crisis called a very high level of care. I don't want people to think that you're going to be able to call teen counseling. Hey, my, my kid's suicidal. What do I do? That's not what this is. This is to build a therapeutic counseling relationship to help your teen what they're going through in their life and help them progress and help your relationship. But there are some things that take immediate action. So if you're worried about your child and there are uh, manifesting suicidal thoughts, feelings, or even a plan, please reach out to the local resources, suicide hotline, your local mental health professional, if you have one, medical professional. But teencounseling.com is not trying to take away from the crisis part of it. They're trying to provide you a real life opportunity using technology to connect with your teen and also have your teen connect with someone who has the right information to help them deal with whatever they're struggling with. That's relationship-based, depression, anxiety base. So teencounseling.com, it's affordable. All you got to do is visit teencounseling.com, use backslash LTF for Light the Fight and help your teen take charge of their mental health right now. Light the Fight listeners get an extra 10% off by using the teencounseling.com backslash LTF. I can say in just the two weeks of us doing this, Heidi, we've had quite, well, in the first week, we had a ton of people visit the website. A lot of people start the process, and even in one week, there's already one listener started counseling. We've gotten some of your feedback. Please continue to give us the feedback. We appreciate that you take our word for it and you trust that we're not just giving you a, a sponsor, just any random sponsor. I mean, we've only had one sponsor for a year, so we went through the process to make sure that they have exactly what you need because, like I said, finding a teen counselor in your area in some cases, it's extraordinarily difficult. In other cases, it's just not available. And if there's a couple of good teen counselors, they're going to be packed. They're going to, like me, I'm not accepting new clients. And I may not be the best teen counselor out there, but at least I'm good enough to, you know, only see so many people during the day. There's only so many hours during the day. So teencounseling.com backslash LTF. You know, interestingly enough, I just want to add one thing. You know, we've said on the podcast before that the biggest um, question that we get, the most... Um, comments, DMs, messages that we get are kind of like, you know, is David taking new clients? How can I be seen? How and do referrals. I find it? Yeah, looking looking for help, which is why we were really intrigued by this opportunity. Um, the second highest, I don't really have statistics for this, a lot of you say, how can I get my teen that I know is struggling to actually talk to somebody? And um, just really quick, this isn't really the topic that we're planning to talk about, but really quick, one of the things that I want to suggest is that, you know, a lot, I hear from a lot of parents out there that are saying, I can tell there's something wrong. Something's off with my teen. They're exhibiting this or that, or they're doing this or that. Um, sometimes it's really extreme, like some type of a blow up, someone got in trouble. Other times you're just maybe you can tell that like they're sad, they're isolating, they're not doing the same things that they've normally done, or maybe their behavior is changing, or um, you know something's just off, and, and you can tell. 
Um, one of the things that I want to recommend is that the stigma that exists in the world, that if you've got to go to a counselor, if you've got to go to therapy, if you've got to um, get help, that means that you're broken. That means that there's something wrong and, you know, mom can't fix it. Mom, dad can't handle it. We got to turn you over to a professional. Um, and I think that sometimes the messaging behind talking to somebody um, is really negative. And I think that as parents, we really have an opportunity to say things like, number one, not having a conversation when everybody's mad and doors have been slammed and that's it. You're going to therapy. You know, like don't, maybe no threats. <laughs> no therapy threats. <laughs> like parents. that. Um, but I think that there is an opportunity to say to a teenager that, or to say to a child that may be struggling, this teencounseling.com works from 13 to 19. And, um, and I've had a lot of you reach out that are, that do have kids younger in a younger category. And, um, and this digital, they've, they've learned that this digital technology doesn't quite work for those younger um, ages. So, you, you know, in that case, you'd need to look for, work with your pediatrician, work with your school, ask around to neighbors and friends. But your messaging as a parent, in going into the situation, making a statement like, you know, I've noticed that you're not you know, whatever it is that you've noticed. I've noticed some changes. I noticed that you don't seem happy. I noticed that you've, you're hanging out with your friends anymore. I've noticed that you're struggling or I'm sensing that you're struggling. You know, I, I don't really have all the answers and I wish I did. I wish that I had solutions for you. Sometimes just talking, talking about it, getting some outside perspective some, from somebody who really knows they're doing really helps and maybe just try it once. See what you think. You know, you as parents really have an opportunity to um, to make talking to somebody and talking through your problems, giving that child a chance to get some tools and perspective um, that maybe you can't offer just because you're in too close and you don't have the credentials. And, and maybe they are looking at you saying, well, my mom has got all these other problems. I'm not even going to add to that or, you know you know, whatever. So I just, I just want to add in general, as I, as I listen to the questions that are coming in and I know the feeling of just being so worried, knowing that your child needs help that you can't give them. Um, try that really, you know, like, let's just give this a shot. Let's just try it once. If you hate it, done, we're out, you know? I think there's a real opportunity to kind of change that stigma around this. Well, and I know this is still part of the, um, the you know, the, the advertisement for teencounseling.com. But um, one thing that I think you said last week, kids trust their phone. Like they believe their phone can bridge the gap to information and can get them help. A lot of the kids that I counsel religiously will go to YouTube trying to find videos on how to help them with depression, anxiety. And they're always p pleased to find there's some good people out there they can relate to. It's in their phone. They, they feel like they have control of that content. 
And as a therapist and work with a lot of parents throughout the years, there's so many barriers to entry to get your teenager to come into counseling, the waiting room, the sitting there and, you know, waiting to meet someone you've never talked to before. All these barriers to entry. Yeah, all these barriers to entry doesn't mean that the counseling won't work, but it means it's not really starting off on the right foot. And uh, what I believe is that teencounseling.com has provided a way for some people that already have this comfort with their phone, that already feel like this is something they can trust, that they can have control over. It's less about it's less about how you get the help and more about getting through the barriers that are going to stop you from getting the help. So I challenge you guys that are out there looking for another alternative or looking something that's a good fit for you guys, please try it, teencounseling.com backslash like the fight. And as you can tell, they just told us to read a couple of things. They didn't tell us to give a five minute, 10 minute. Well, you know, just, ad for them. just as this talking just about us. it, just as talking, just I mean, us. I did have some ladies say, I'm not going to listen to that first 10 minutes of your crap talking about your advertiser. I, I, I got that response, which that's fun. From if a one couple, person from a says couple, that out of well, how many? But, but what I'm saying is that it also opened this huge <laughs> myriad of conversations that have come to me. Um, in the last couple, yeah. For the one person, there's all these other conversations that it's that, the, it's open. that you know that this yep. is this is a hot topic. This is um, a need, and I I have not tried it, um, and so we would love to hear your experiences with it. And it kind of goes along with our topic today because our kids and ourselves we get stuck in the muck, yeah. And sometimes we have to keep on going, and we have to persevere and and be resilient and all those things. And our lovely humans that we brought into this world are not cooperating. <laughs> so Heidi, let's talk about that. Okay, so as you know, I always like to show, to show up with the problems. Um, and oh, real quick, totally random thought. I had to say this, because I told you this the other day. Parents out there, I know you guys know I'm a surfer, so bear with me for a second. If you haven't heard about the movie Unstoppable, just take your kids to go see it, oh, especially yeah, yeah, your yeah. little girls. If you guys remember, there's a movie called Soul Surfer a number of years ago, yeah, about a decade yeah. ago. Bethany Hamilton, quite the amazing woman. Well, this documentary is about everything she's done afterwards, and I'm only going to have one little – so this is a spoiler alert, okay? Great. I haven't seen it. I there's wanted to. one little thing that she does – Drifting in the blue ocean by herself that I want you to look out for. See if you catch it. Okay. okay. So it's a little bit of a spoiler. But if you want something to make your little daughter or your kids, not even just girl, just your kids feel like I can overcome a handicap. And I can yourself. overcome a disability. Yourself. I mean, my daughter, every single day since then, I was already planning to teach her how to surf this summer trip. Hawaii didn't work out the way we want. But she's like, Dad, I need you to teach me how to surf. Like, I want to be like Bethany. I'm like, that's right. Sweetheart, let's go do it. So little plug for them, Unstoppable. There's In Utah, all you got to do is go to the website, Unstoppable. They'll tell you where – because not every theater has it because it's a special type movie, but it's running for the next few – I think the the rest of the month and a couple weeks into August. So check it out. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Okay, wait. And before I get into the topic, I'm going to add just one thing. Yeah. If you guys are reg regular listeners to the podcast, um, I don't remember what episode number we were on last week. But Brandon's going to tell us. So last week we talked about decisions. We talked about and and if you if you've listened, if you haven't listened, you should go listen. If you listened, you know that I was like, wait a minute, okay. I'm not supposed to give my advice because I am I am good giving my advice, especially when there's a decision that needs mm. to be made. Okay, well, so I shared. I okay, so I went home and 
I kind of showed that we that I was just dealing with one little decision in our family that um, I was worried about, and it. So it was number sixty-seven. Was last was the decision making one. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. But, but um, basically, what happened was I had I had I had made the decision to let Connor make a decision about his education um, situation. And what it came down to is that he, his, the administrator and um, thought that Connor should be in a certain place at school. And Connor thought he should be in a certain place in school. And um, I had heard from the administrator that, Con- that Connor was placed where the administrator thought he should be placed. And so since school got out, I was like trying to figure out how I was going to let, let Connor know and how I was going to deal with it. And so I finally, we had this conversation and Connor was furious and hurt and upset and sad and devastated. And, um, I was freaking, I was freaking out. Right. Um, and I was like, gosh, but the administrator thinks this is what's best and Connor doesn't want to do it. And how do I empower him? That's really what our, our conversation was. Well, okay. So I thought about it a lot. I thought about what you said a lot. I was really <laughs> stressed about it. And I, I decided to come to the conclusion that, you know, sixth grade was going to be sixth grade no matter what happened. And that I was going to empower Connor. And we discussed the alternatives. And I waited. And we had we gave him two days to make this decision and to come back to us. And he came back to us and stayed with what he wanted to do, which was going contrary to what, where he was placed and what I thought and blah, blah, blah. So that meant that I needed to go to the school and try to make these um, rearrangements. And I was stressed about it. And um, so I went to the school and I like had to actually like, wriggle myself in there because the school hasn't opened yet and those people don't want parents coming in and I wasn't getting through to anybody on the phone and so man I I used my resources I got in there and um and I'm talking to the secretaries who I love and I was like you guys this is the problem and I like spill the whole story and they pull it up and Connor was not placed where I was told he was placed he was placed where he wanted to be placed. Mm. And I was so confused. And I'm like, what is going on? And um, upon further talking, so this, the principal retired, the, the administrator retired, and the secretary said, you know, right before school ended, um, the principal had had a conversation with Connor and said, this is what I think is best. And... What do you, what do you think? And I guess Connor gave him very compelling reasons why he wanted to be over here. And apparently the administrator told Connor that he would, he would place him where he felt like he needed to be. And so that's why Connor was so mad because Uh, I think that Connor really thought that he had resolved it. I wanted that debate. And um, so like all of this, like last week's, podcast and all of my stress and anxiety and me trying to like was all for not yeah well 
One thing Typical, we do right? know, though, one thing we do know, here in Utah, you see a lot of these billboards on the side of the freeway. It says, Craig Swap and Associates Attorney. <laughs> That's me saying Connor Swap and Associates. <laughs> He's got the makings of a good negotiator. Well, it did make me realize that, again, that empowering your kid to make yeah. a decision. Okay, so here's, so, okay, Connor hates school. We know this. Yeah. Him and a couple other kids, I'm sure. I come home <laughs> from school. He's at a friend's. I go track him down, and I said, Connor, I got to tell you this crazy story. And I told him what happened, and he started jumping up and down, like doing this happy dance. He like starts a Fortnite kind of happy dance? Yeah. He starts <laughs> school in two days yeah. from now. Yeah, summer school. And, I mean, not summer school, but, but all he, year round on school. On his yeah. track, yeah. And I was like, he's happy. He's happy about this because this is the decision that he, this is where he wanted to be. This is the decision that he made when he was given the choice. And I guarantee you, he's going to be up on time, ready to go to school. You didn't have to co-sign, go to bat for him. No. And so, I mean, granted, it was all for naught. And it was just, and it was kind of like, okay, this is an exercise for the special mom. But um, it, it was really an interesting experience for us. And, um, <laughs> you know, the other funny thing was that Quincy was like, yeah, I listened to your podcast about decisions. She goes, I thought it was going to be about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. You're, you're, you're poor kids, man. They never know when they're on the, when they're on the chopping blocks. Like great. Mom's <laughs> telling her whole life. And then 10 years from now we can go back and listen to it. Well, like, oh, we are definitely learning from each other. That is for sure. That's why light the fight is going to stop when my kids hit teenage years. Cause <laughs> they'll basically pull the plug on that. Like dad, no more. I'm just kidding. It's not going to stop. Well, thank you for giving this update. Yeah, and pretty cool. Did, did that teach you a lesson that, sometimes one out of a million times your worry is not needed. I really feel like I need to worry. But that was pretty random. That doesn't happen too often. No, right? it was, yeah, so it was, was really, um, it worked out perfect. It was though. really a good, a good thing. So, and I think I've gotten a lot of really great feedback about last week's episode. Um, from, a, from actually a lot of people that I know, and you guys believe it or not, a lot of teenagers listening to the podcast i know that i was surprised a couple <laughs> in the past couple weeks told me hey you know i really like what you said about and i looked at i'm like wait they go yeah i listen like the fight and i was like why would you and they looked at me and this yeah they you're put, not supposed to ask people why they're listening no i asked I them, I'm like, why would you listen and i'm talking to teenagers right both of them in their own way they said because I found out you guys give me the secrets of how to be able to get my parents to do what I want right. them to do. And I tell my parents, I'm like, there's one girl, she said, I sent my mom the podcast on the, um, what was the, uh, the do, um, what do we call it? No less so your kids can learn more. She sent her mom that. Didn't tell her, just said, mom, why don't you listen to this podcast? Cause her mom loves podcasts. Her mom at the end of it came back and looked at her and like, Okay, I get it. And she's like, what? She's like, she's like, that was very sly that you said that. She's like, I knew exactly what you were talking about. And she's like, what'd you think? She's like, it's good. She's like, are you going to listen again? She's like, maybe. And she goes, seriously, mom, you need to listen again. She's like, I've already listened to 20 episodes. She's like, okay. <laughs> Apparently the mom binged over the weekend. So cool little feedback for a teenager. She's like, I had a feeling that if I learned her language, I could, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty. Hey, I'm all about manipulation. Manipulation simply means to tweak or change. That's right. It's, you know, it's working. gentle persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get, sorry. Anyway, um, what I wanted to talk to about 
is actually referring to um, a podcast episode from the anniversary of Corey's death. So that was, it was a couple weeks ago. And um, one of the things that I shared that I've learned since losing Corey and in, in the last couple of years is the importance of just allowing myself to feel. And I kind of talked about it in the sense that I know that I medicate with busyness. That's how I prevent myself from feeling. Yeah. And um, it tends to work when you have to get a lot of things done. That's <laughs> um, your stress of choice because you can create and change things right. with your business. It works <laughs> great. So um, I... And and then when I what I realized is because I was being so busy and because I wasn't taking the time to feel, I wasn't progressing um, through the healing process because I wasn't allowing myself to feel. Okay, so a lot of people talk about feeling their feelings. It's I feel like it's one of those. Well, it's even so translate. I'm a, I'm in my feel. I'm in my feels. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. it's just it's been one of those kind of like cultural kind of slangs this past couple of years. And and I think that there's a lot of value to feeling. Kiki, are you with me? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, we do say like it, with the emojis, you know, we say all the fills because we're recognizing that every situation has a lot of different emotions attached yeah. to it. And, and, and there we go with the and. So as a mom and as, as a mom and then as like a hyper emotional individual, um, I mean, you can As, be both of those, hyper-emotional and a mom? It's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's almost necessary to keep your kids alive. Otherwise, so maybe so. Lord knows if those dads out there are raising kids <laughs> one or two, they wouldn't eat too many times. So we talk a lot about feeling your feelings, but it becomes a problem if you kind of get stuck in your feelings. And I see it in myself. I've noticed that if I let myself, like, and this has been my fear, right? If I let myself get too deep into my feelings, like, it's hard to, to climb out. But then I've also noticed it, witnessing this in others around me, that when they go into that really emotional place, and you, as the parent, as the trusted adult, as a friend, you want to validate that, and you want to give them that freedom, and you want to... You want them to feel those feelings. How do you get people to come on back out? Because a lot of those feelings can become very heavy and, dare I say, comfortable. And um, the word that keep, just keeps coming to my mind is like a mire. I think that sometimes the feelings that we're trying not to push away and push down can then start really holding us back. So my question is, and the thing that I've been thinking about um, is how do you, without shaming and giving people the space to to feel and to feel safe, um, facilitate this moving through the feelings? Is, it, is that a weird question? <laughs> no, we can call it when feeling your feelings goes wrong. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay. So I, this is one of those episodes where I have no idea if I've ever mentioned this on this podcast. I know I've mentioned it on some things that I've done. I just can't remember. Um, I'll tell you. 
so my my mentor shout out to Dr. Brunel Christensen. Uh, when I came here in, here to Utah, he took me underneath his wing and threw me a couple teen clients and said, "Let's see what you can do, young man." And you know, he gave me my first shot and he he helped me out. You know, he got me into everything and. He had taught me something um, a long time ago that I've been experimenting with years, and it's called face, replace, and connect. And so basically what this does is, so you're talking about, you want to feel your feelings, but what happens when you feel your feelings and next thing you know, oh, you felt them for too long, and then you can't get out of your feelings to the next step. Um, a, a lot of parents, they have a hard time, and I'm speaking just from my professional experience, a lot of parents... Certain parents, I should say, have a hard time wanting to validate their kids' feelings because they're fearful of that happening. They're fearful that they're going to create a victim, that they're going to validate the feelings to the point where now the kid gets a, a, a positive reaction to sharing hurt and pain. And then the parent says, okay, now I validated their feelings and now they only want to talk about their feelings. And whenever they, I ask them to do their chores or anything else, now they're telling me things like they're sad, they're depressed. So then the parent starts to get suspicious because most parents out there have seen their kids do something called lie <laughs> or not tell the whole truth at least and to over-exaggerate because they don't feel like doing something. So on one hand, there's a type of parent that doesn't want to validate too much of the feelings and help their kid feel their feelings. Then on the other end of the spectrum, it's the parent that over empathizes with their kids, over sympathizes with their kids and really goes down this long drawn out path about feelings and doesn't really help their kid keep it going to some sort of solution. So Dr. Christensen, and I can't remember if he made this up or if it was one of his colleagues. Um, the point is he taught me this face replace and take action or face replace connect is what they call it. So the first part is face. So here's what this looks like. When you face something, you're acknowledging it. So you're allowing yourself to feel it. You're talking about it. And you're stating that your feeling is true. Doesn't mean it can't change. Doesn't mean when you calm down, it's not gonna be you know, less than you felt at the moment. But the feeling is true. So I developed a way of helping people start this out. So when you're ready to face your feelings or you want to help your kids face your feelings, and this is how parents, how you can model this for your kids and like was Heidi talking about, help them get through the muck and the mire, right? So I always have my clients start out with a very simple sentence to get the facing part down or to get it going. It starts out with, it's true. I do feel dot, dot, dot. So let's say it's someone's feeling depressed. Let's say you have a teenager that has depression, struggle depression, and they're feeling depressed at the moment. But in their head, they're like, I'm depressed. I can't do this. I can't do that. And like a depressed person normally thinks is usually negative, pessimistic. It's a very victim mentality thought process. Doesn't mean they're a victim, but that's the mentality because the feelings are making them feel horrible, helpless, stuff like that. So when you say, it's true, I feel depressed. It's true when I think about all these things in my life that I'm not good at or all these things that are making me feel depressed, then it makes me not want to try. It makes me want to give up. It makes me feel like I'll never be anything special important. 
And when I feel all those things, I don't even want to go hang out with my friends, period. So what I do with people in this very first step, I, I tell them, I want you to imagine that you're walking down a spiral staircase. But when you start walking down the spiral staircase, you're holding all this baggage and all this luggage. And every time you go down a level, you get to drop off a bag. Then you go spiral down another level, drop off another bag. And as you get down to the bottom, so as we're talking, I'm telling them, envision themselves saying, it's true. I do feel depressed. Boom. You dropped off a bag. Okay, it felt good to say it. It's true. When I get depressed, I start thinking about all the things that I can't control in my life. Boom, you drop down another one and you're still walking down the spiral staircase. But you just keep on going, dropping off the bag, stating simple truths about your feelings. And then once you get to the bottom, take deep breath and you sit there with your feelings for a moment. And then you say the next sentence to help you replace it. And the sentence sounds like this. Yeah, it's true. I've been depressed, struggled. When I struggle, I think about all my insecurities. I compare myself to the people. I feel horrible. Then I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. And that makes me feel more depressed. They take a deep breath, sit there for a moment, and then they say this. However, I noticed that when I'm depressed and my friends have got me out of my room and make me go hang out, I actually feel less depressed. I notice that when I have something to be excited about and I'm busy on a project or thinking about something, I get a break from feeling down and frustrated with my situation. In fact, I truly do feel depressed and it doesn't mean that I can't connect with people. It doesn't mean that I can't do anything. So that's the replace part. I mean, that's, yeah, the face, then the replace. Then the take action is whatever you just replaced, these, I call them victimizing thoughts. All these negative thoughts in our head. Some people used to call them thinking errors, stuff like that. I call them victimizing thoughts because I don't know anyone that wants to be a victim. So it's a helpful, it's a painful reminder that that's not a good place to stay. But once you face these thoughts, like, yeah, it's true. Then you say, and, or however, the reality of it is, just because I'm depressed doesn't mean I'm always depressed. Just because I'm depressed today doesn't mean I'm always depressed. I wasn't depressed last week. I know tomorrow I'm hanging out with my friends and so I'll probably feel better tomorrow. And then once you replace all that, then the next step is you actually go and do and follow through with the things that you just said. So with face, replace, and connect, this is a simple reminder for all you listeners out there. Oh, your feelings are real. Your kids' feelings are real. And they're not necessarily reality. Just because you feel like crap doesn't mean you are crap. That's the way you feel at the moment. That's really the sign that I need. Like, I need, we Well, if anyone make, can make the sign, I'm sure you have some materials next bad, door. It's not, a bad, it's not a bad sign idea. No, your feelings are real. And in big, bold letters, they're not necessarily always reality. So this is a, a play with us as human beings. Our feelings drive us, they motivate us, they scare us, they fear us, but our feelings are so based on dun, 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 dun. And reality is based upon one plus one equals two. You may not want it to be, but it is. Uh, F, if you lean it forward, isn't a one-legged A. It's an F. That's what I try to tell my parents. I'm like, it's technically a one-legged A. <laughs> like, you mean an F? Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> J 
just because we feel something doesn't make it true. Okay, so are the replacing thoughts, they're not like cheerleader thoughts. No, no, no. Like, okay. I, but well, actually, I'm, I am good and people like me. Okay, well, l- let me finish what I was going to say. I have okay. something because okay. it's probably so answer I, your question. Okay. Okay, here's, Sorry. here's the, the different types of people that I have and the teenagers that get stuck in the muck. Okay. The number one common thing, especially for people who are down and depressed a lot, is they will say this. Okay, I tried your face, replace, and connect. I'm like, okay, how'd it go? Horribly, it didn't work. I go, why? I go, well, I started to face it and I started to say, it's true. I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. I feel worthless. Nobody loves me. And they just kept on bathing in the hurt and pain of their disappointments and all their feelings. And they never actually replaced anything. They took it to the umpteenth degree. So this is the type of person, maybe you're this person, maybe you know this type of person, where they come in and you say, hey, is everything all right? It's like, I'm glad someone asked. No, it's not all right. And they will talk your ear off for an hour about how bad and how troubled it is. And every time you give a suggestion, Remember last time you did this? Or why don't you try this? Or why don't you exercise? Why this? And they say, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. And they, they shut down, dismiss. They block off any type of entry point to you moving them out of the situation. They dig their heels and they say, nope, I'm staying here. I got food storage. I ain't going anywhere for a while. <laughs> they never stopped facing it. Though they faced it, but it's when feeling your feelings goes wrong. You felt it too long. You overfelt it. Then I have the other people come in, this type of person and teens, adults, if this works for everybody, they come in I say, oh, did you do the face in place? I go, yeah. I go, how'd you face it? I go, well, uh, life sucks, you know, and, and it's sour like lemons, but you just got to make lemonade out of it. <laughs> I'm like, so how'd that work? Horrible because I know it's not true and it's super corny. And I listen to your podcast about platitudes and it's a total thing that everybody says and it doesn't even work. Those are the people say, I'm fine. It's okay. Yeah, I'm sad. But uh, anyways, and they do not, they can't stay in the feelings for longer than one, two, I'm out. They don't want to be there. And so so what happens is the first group of people I just said, they face it forever. (laughs) The second person, they go, I touched the face. Now I'm jumping to, to replace it. You know, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm, you know, I just haven't taken enough inspirational selfies lately. Let me take some more inspirational <laughs> selfies to tell people that if they follow my path, they're going to have a happy relationship. They're going to do this. And we all know the person that's over posting about motivation. Like, gosh, if I didn't know how horrible their life was, I'd actually believe it. But they're trying to hype themselves up. Those are the people, and I'm joking. I don't say these are bad people, but those are the people, they don't want to face it but they want to go straight to business and let's take it all serious. Let me tell you what our brain has an issue with. BS. Our logical brain does not buy BS. So the people who are the overfeelers are like, nobody loves me and and they just play the emotional violin and they get stuck in their feelings. Our logical brain's like, yeah, well, let me know when you're done with your pity party. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a parade now because now you're taking it to the streets, (laughs) asking everybody, waving, hey, show up to my pity parade. You don't have time to take action. So just let me know when you're ready to get out of it. And you're part of your body, you're part of your brain, your brain, not your body. The assertive part that's the go-getter is just waiting for you to get out of your feelings. Now, the other person, because they don't like to be in their feelings, they're quickly wanting to get into action. They stay busy. They want to constantly be going, 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 so they don't have to feel their feelings. The third person. So let me tell you for the first two people, 
your porridge is too hot or it's too cold. The third option is just right. The third option is like, yeah, it sucks. I hate it. And when I get pissed off and frustrated with myself or my situation, it makes me, I don't know, eat my feelings, watch Netflix for too long, binge on too many things, whatever it is, we all have our own vices, right? Everybody's got their own poison. We go to that and you just get stuck in that. So the middle ground is, yeah, I'm going to face it for a minute and I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to realize that this is my life and this is how I feel today. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's how I'm going to feel tomorrow. It doesn't necessarily mean that it, it means that the rest of my life is going to mirror this situation, these feelings. This is how I feel and I can do something about it. Now, how this has worked for me, one of the simplest things that I came up with, because everyone that I, that I counsel this on, they find these one-liners, these one-liners that just help you get deep in the facing stir it up, feel it, and then quickly get out because you don't want to stay there too long. Some of my one-liners is, yeah, I feel like crap. I feel this. I feel, okay, this isn't the one-liner. This is the facing part where I'm just talking about me walking down the imaginal staircase saying how this sucks. This person did me wrong, that, that, that. And at the very end of it, I'm like, and I feel like crap and I don't know what to do. Then I sit there for a minute. I'm like, you know, the only thing I don't know is why I'm so emotional and worked up right now. But what I do know is I don't stay emotional and worked up for too long. So maybe this is a pattern of me going through something hard. It's gonna piss me off. It's gonna make me realize I gotta step up my game and do something different. Maybe this is actually exactly what I needed right now to push me to be a better version of myself. But if I feel my feelings too long, I won't get out of the sand, out of the quicksand. If I don't feel my feelings, I will never be able to be respected by myself because if I'm all action and all motivation and work hard, then my emotional part of my brain's like, okay, you ever going to have a moment for us? Like, <laughs> can we ever sit down and just have a good cry? Can you ever go apologize to your best friend who you haven't talked to for years? Can you apologize to your parent, your sibling? Can you just put down the guard and quit being so busy and protecting yourself that you're available to connect with other people. And be real. And be real. Now, once you go face replace, all of a sudden your mind has amazing epiphanies of the actions you need to take. That's why it's called face replace connect. Connect is really the action. So if I'm feeling down and depressed, I face it. Then I go, well, I haven't always felt this way. And yeah, I'm feeling horrible right now, but at least I'm talking about it. At least I'm doing something about it. Well, then what I need to do next? Well, I better call my best friend and talk to him about it. I had a situation this Monday. I was feeling really insecure about my TED talk. And I don't normally feel insecure about talking. That's like the thing that I'm like, oh, I got that one in the bag, but this is something different. The talk that I thought I, they wanted wasn't necessarily what they wanted. I'm sitting here going, wait, what do people want? And how do I say it? And I only have eight minutes. I'm like, ah, and like I had a moment where I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. I called one of my best friends. He just started saying stuff. He's a, he's a big fan of me as a person. He's known me since I was like 20 years old. And he said some things to me. I was like, <laughs> I faced my insecurities by just saying it sucks. I can't believe I feel this way because I don't like to acknowledge that because I feel my life is too amazing right now for me to complain. Because I look at the life I came from. I'm like, what am I complaining about? I watch Unstoppable Bethany Hamilton. She's got one arm and she's a better surf than I am. I'm like, what's my excuse? <laughs> but at that moment, I needed to face it. And once I got done facing it, I replaced it with, I actually need to get outside my head and call someone who I trust. And I called my friend 
And he said some things. I'm like, I don't know why he said that, but I needed that. I called a couple other people and now I'm back on, I'm, I mean, my talk's better than it was before. I scratched 99% of it, started over. <laughs> you know, like I've never been scared before I talked about, you know, what happened with Corey. The night before I was going to say this as I'm walking, I'm like, nah, I threw away my whole talk like minutes before I went up there and talked. So to face it, replace it and take action, it's one, two, three. But most people want to go one, two, and then they never get to three. Or they'll go two, two, two. Or they go one, 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 one. Oh, what was number two? I had to replace it. Oops, sorry, I didn't. Now I feel horrible. Now I'm going to go, you know, drink myself to sleep or eat myself into oblivion, whatever it is. So one is face, two is replace, and three is take action. But this is what I teach to parents that have the kids. If you have the teenagers or even if they're younger kids that do the, the verbal or the facial expression of the deadweight child, you know, when you go to pick your kid up and they just, they don't, they, they go limp and they're like 10 times heavier. Well, sometimes that's verbal and emotional. Like, no, you know, they're laying on the street. You're like, uh, it's hundred degrees out here. You're going to burn your skin off if you don't get up. I know you like to have a temper tantrum at 10 years old, but you might want to get up. And then you see the, no, and you're like, I don't know if I can pull my kid out of this one. So this is what I teach parents to model for their kids. You have to speak the language to the person. If you have someone who's been inundated with victimizing thoughts, if you think they're acting like a victim, it's not because they are victims, it's because they've been entertaining thoughts that a victim would have if they're actually victimized. So instead of treating them like a victim, like what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You model this for them say, hey, I don't blame you for feeling that way. It's true. You did have a hard day. This did happen. And you just validate it and you face their feelings for them. Hmm. And then when it stops, they'll be like, yeah, and it sucks. Maybe they add a little bit into it and you let them be there for a moment. But the reason why this works for parents is because there's no, they know there's a step two. Most parents that came to me, they said, I just thought I'm supposed to validate them, sit there with their feelings, but I only got like 10, 15 minutes of patience with this because then they start blaming me. And then they start saying it's my fault. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. They come, sometimes kids go a little too far. They go, thanks for being there for me, you know, because, you know, last year you were never there to listen to me. And you're like, wait, 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 how did I go from all of a sudden helping you to now you just insulted me? So I tell parents, you face it. You give them those statements. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, you're doing this. And just go, just be there for a moment. And then say, however, every time you felt like this before, for some reason, you just go play soccer, go play basketball. And then you come back and you're still bummed out, but you kind of got through it. So yeah, I don't know. Kind of leave it there for them to marinate with. Don't talk them out of their feelings. Just guide them to the next step. Hmm. They will follow. Because when you have someone laying in the street or in the aisle three at Walmart, <laughs> I'm more realistic. And you didn't get them something that they wanted. Now their whole day fell apart. You have to get them going without child abuse. Ideally. And without looking like the mom that everybody pulls out their phones, like, let's record this. This would be good for the, I know there's these, <laughs> there's uh, those pun sites about Walmart people and stuff like that. You don't want to be on a Walmart side of you. You don't want to stab the balls moment exactly. recorded at Walmart. Because there's balls you can stab there. They got knives and balls. You got all the equipment you need and plenty of witnesses. Okay. All right. So to, to help them face it, replace it and take action, you would actually have to do it for them until they pick it up. So all the parents that did this, they started to talk like that. And then they noticed their kid go, hey, mom. It's like, yeah, I mean, you had a rough day. It's horrible. 
No, but yesterday you had a rough day, but you turned it around. Maybe you could do what you did yesterday. This mom looked at me and was like, yesterday I went and got a massage. <laughs> she's like, you can't get another I massage. Go. I gotta go. But she's like, can't get another massage. She's like, I tell you what, how bad do you feel for me? Kid was like, well, I don't know. She's like, could you rub my neck for a little bit? It's really hurting. Because I got a massage yesterday. I couldn't get to it. Kid's like, sure, mom. That was a win-win in so many categories for this mom. I can't give you all the detailed information about it, but it was just a win. So if we want our kids, we talk a lot about modeling. If we want our kids to do this, but they don't have the skills and capable of doing it, you actually have to do it for them. And it's it's basically in proxy. You're doing something for them that at the moment they do not have the mental wherewithal, the language to do for themselves. So you do it for them and they will learn just by watching you do it. Reminding them. Reminding them of success, reminding them of what they're capable of, um, you know, for, for my... Which one of the parent, by the way, do you think you fell in? Mm. You know, I just usually freak out. Like, oh, no, they're sad. I, it, I, you know, I would just always forget about everything and worry. You're a tweener. So what happens is <laughs> <laughs> you're the hybrid, okay? You're the fringe, okay? When you go into the feels, you're 100% into feelings. When you go into the, I'm not going to feel, I'm going to work, you're 100% of what are feelings. Like you don't even know what feelings are. But here at Light the Fight, we get to see both of Heidi. We get to this see her navigate very both difficult. of those at the same time. Work people will get more of the work one of you or the feelings one of you, but you really are kind of like you're 50 50. You're either, you're 100% whatever you do. Just, you know. Well, and for me personally speaking, personally, um, I've gone through a lot of hard things in my life where it caused me to feel to, to get into that muck. Um, and they don't have, have to be, they don't have to be like the Corey hard things. No, they could be like a product line that you developed. Like it just went South. I mean, there could be a right. lots of things you put time and effort into. Right. And, you know, I want to share just because I know kind of some of my fans that listen might think this is, this is kind of interesting. Um, I remember one particular time and this is about 10 years ago and something had happened in our family that was devastating to me. And, you know, quite honestly, I lost a big contract. We had to short sell our house. Like, it was, I felt horrible about who I was as a person. And it made me doubt everything. And I was very much in a very dark place. And, and I had no interest in actually getting out. I, I mean... I knew that I was going to have to eventually. I did. And I remember, um, and I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll mind that I share this. I have this friend in the industry and his name's Tim Holtz. And shout out to Tim. Shout out to Tim. <laughs> and he, um, he's a peer of mine, a creative peer, and also like a friend. And he, and he listened to me. And he just I, five minutes, right? Because it's all he, long no, well. We didn't have a lot of time. Okay, it, you know, he knew. <laughs> I was, was joking. I he knew. It, he knew it was going on. Um, he listened to me, and he kind of nodded his head, and he goes, "You are freaking Heidi Swap." <laughs> and I remember, like, I needed to be reminded. 
So in that case, you were all about the facing, but you never got out of that. I didn't. I didn't. And and it was interesting because it took somebody, and I ha- I have a little tears in my eyes here because it took somebody that I really valued their opinion and that I knew cared about me and wasn't like just trying to shuffle me on through or didn't want to listen to me. Or... It was like a customer service compliment. Right, <laughs> right. And um, it, it was a, it shook me up. It helped me step up. It reminded me who I was and what I'd done in the past and that I wasn't a failure. You know, I'd failed, but I wasn't a failure. And, you know, what was required in that situation is that I couldn't stand there and pretend like everything was fine. I had to tell somebody, I, I had to be honest about my situation. Um, and I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget. And now we kind of have a joke. He'll randomly just say, hey, f- freaking Heidi Swap, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And I thought you were saying, he's like, hey, Hannah Swap. <laughs> <laughs> You're Heather Swap. Don't forget that. So I think that as parents, we are that valued, trusted, they know that we care about them because we have to, you know, like we, we do have the power to remind them that they're capable and not from just a that, like that blanket platitude type statement, like you're going to be fine, suck it up type situation. But because there's I, no conviction and testimony when you say like you'll be fine, suck right. it up. But when what he said to you, that's like looking you in the eyes, like you're high swap. Like, what are you thinking? Like, you got this. And sometimes we need someone to remind us, like you said, and to mirror for us what we're lacking at that moment. And and I think that it's easy. I think that even the strongest, smartest, most successful, highly motivated people can get in that mire crap. Like, there's no, like, you don't have to be... Pfft, well, if it's not something special really, yeah, to get not, in the mire, you if, know, if it's not something important or that's is like it's a meaningful thing in your life, you wouldn't be that devastated in the first place, right? Like it's it, got it to mean something. It to means you. that there's yeah, some meaning care. in that. There's meaning in that yeah. mire, and so there also has to be meaning in that replacement. Um. Anyway, I like that. So, just a little quick remember or reminder for for the face it. I always tell people start off with the simple sentence because a lot of times I'll tell people to face something and they get stuck like how to begin. So the sentence just gives you a jump start. Once someone gives you a sentence, you can just finish it. It's like, it's true. I do think and feel. Some people say think and feel. Some people say feel. I do think and feel that I'm worthless or I do feel like a failure. And then once you say that, then when I feel that way, because a little quick reminder about human psychology, the thoughts you entertain determine your mood and attitude. Your mood and attitude then will determine your actions and reactions at that particular time. So you entertain the thought that you're horrible, you feel horrible, your attitude is horrible, and when someone asks you to hang out, you say no. Like that's what <laughs> that's a short street version of it. So in this process, you address, you check every single box that your brain needs to check to to move forward, and that means you can't skip one and two and go straight to action. You have to feel it, take the breath, replace it with and or however. Those are like, hmm, interesting. Once you state the things that you know to be true, so 
the the facing is what I call victim thoughts. I didn't use the second one. And the replacing, I call those real power thoughts. And guess what victim thoughts? You'll always know if you're having victim thoughts. This is going to sound familiar to you, Heidi. They always come in the form of a question. Mm. Or questioning statements. So the victim thought is like, I'm worthless, I'm helpless, no matter what I do, damned if I do, damned if I don't. Like that's a victim thought. Tons of doubt. Tons of doubt, okay? A real power thought, and I call it real power thought because realistic power thought. You know what a power thought I had when I was in college? I got a um, a big paycheck, well, not a big paycheck, my monthly paycheck to live off of. I said, ooh, I'm gonna go to Vegas. On this movie, I saw the guy put an all bet down a one on blackjack and he won that and he doubled that down. So my thought I was gonna take $500 and turn that into 5,000 come home. I had to borrow money to come home. You did not do that. So that was my power <laughs> thought. So my power thought was I'm gonna go to Vegas and make money and have extra money throughout the rest of the quarter. And the reality was it's gambling and I didn't even know how to gamble, okay? <laughs> so that's why I call them real power thoughts because sometimes our power thoughts like, I can do this, I can dunk a ball just like LeBron James. You're five foot two. But I can do it. No, that's not realistic. Sometimes our hype, our, and I'm using social media and, and that as an example of the overextension of our capabilities is, oh, I can do anything. I can do this. Thing. No, you can't. You can do things in a certain reality. Yeah, you can do anything, meaning you can improve and stuff like that. But there's some things you can't do just because that's reality. Like you can't go buy a Ferrari if you can't even afford a Honda. Like you can't do it. I should be able to. Yeah, but reality says you can't. So real power thoughts is just simply stating truth. Real power thoughts always come in the form of statements. Victim thoughts always come in the form of questions or questioning yourself. Interesting. Okay. So that's why we have to... If we just jump away from our insecurities and our questions, say, well, I don't want to deal with my feelings, so I'm going to go straight to, I can do this, I'm powerful, I can do whatever I want, uh, you know, hashtag, you know, do whatever you want or be powerful. <laughs> it, it sounds good, but the problem is you miss the important part, acknowledging that you're scared and you don't believe you can do it. Regardless of what you say, you're scared. So if you face the victim thoughts, replace them with realistic, powerful thoughts, which are always in the form of a statement, it would sound like this. Yeah, you feel worthless and a lot of people depend upon you. You feel like you're incapable because you care and you want to be capable. The reality of it is, is that's the way you feel today, but you didn't feel that two weeks ago. So do what you did before to feel like you did before. Do what you always did, get what you always got. Keep on thinking and entertain victim thoughts, you're going to become a victim. You entertain real power thoughts after you face your victim thoughts, well, then you'll take action. That's how you get out of the mire. One, two, three. And then the connection part is just take the action of whatever your real powerful thoughts are encouraging you or inspiring you or giving you ideas that you could do as an option to get out of the victim mentality. And for young kids and teenagers, if you have to do this for yourself, parents, you have to know when you're having victim thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to face them, replace them. Because if you start teaching this to your kids and you haven't done it, well, good luck with that one. It's just, you're not going to have any experience with it. It's like trying to, you know, teach someone, you know, how to play a sport that you've never even picked up the sport before. Like there's only so much you can learn from a book in YouTube. You have to experience it. Okay. You've given me a lot to think about for me and also as a parent and you was know, that pretty clear in the yeah, whole entire, the different, yeah. how people will like face it, but then they never get to replace it or they'll yeah. replace it, but they don't really want to face it. Well, and I think, I think what holds the most, 
most truth for me right now because I see myself in this. I also see those around me having this happen, whether, you know, whether it's friends, whether it's associates, whether it's my kids, whatever. I think it's a human condition, right? This is, this is part of humanity is, is having these feelings and having to figure out how to deal with them. Um, like I always say with this podcast, um, we, we first change ourselves. We first onboard these concepts for ourselves, put them into practice for ourselves, so that the BS meter doesn't go off in those around us, so that we do have solutions and, um, and we've tried it ourselves and we know that it works because we can never carry something forward or teach it or model it or lead if we don't understand it, if we don't do it ourselves, we don't practice it, you know? And I think, I think that is a big problem between parents and teenagers is just that hypocrisy. And I think that the older that the kids get, they can kind of see that their parents aren't always walking the walk and talking the talk. And then there starts to be this, oh. So when your kid's trying to face their, when your kid's expressing their feelings, see this as an opportunity to help them face their feelings. Don't try to bail them out of it. And then when you validate the feelings, like you're telling me, yeah, I don't blame you for feeling that way. I get it, you know, or yeah, if I were you, I'd feel that way too. Don't validate it so long. Now that becomes their identity because their feelings are not their identity. Their feelings, they could be depressed, anxious, even if they're bullied or mistreated. Yeah, that's what they're going through, but it's not who they are. And so we don't, and that's a big challenge that I think parents in their own household really have contention with each other because one parent may think that, one parent may criticize the other parent and say, hey, listen, you're over empathizing. You're giving them this exit strategy to get out of responsibility by showing up for their feelings too much. And then that same parent can turn around and say, well, I think you shut them down. I think you shame them. And I think you do too much to dismiss their feelings and it makes them feel like they're not being heard. So I'm trying to make up for what you did. Well, guess what? You guys are both helping the problem. You're both, you're not doing what you're, you're reacting to what the other person isn't doing. And you're trying to overcompensate. Well, trying to overcompensate for something doesn't help you find center. It just does the opposite of what you thought mm -hmm. the person shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. So this is where one, two, three helps you. You get to check the, I need to be loving and show up for my kid. You get to check that I need, I get to help my kid move out of that situation. And then third, you get to be a part of seeing your kid taking action from the struggle they went through instead of defining themselves as the struggle. What's great about this also, if you think about the different people in your life that, that trust you, that talk to you, that come to you, that you see the sin and that you're, you know, kind of um, in relationships with, it's going to be a very unique and individual process with each one of these personalities and each one of the people. And, and so once you kind of understand how it works, I like that it's a tool I think what I'm trying to say is that like what is going to work in this case f for Connor isn't going to work for Colton. And so, you know, the, the, we talk a lot about the copy and paste. We can't just copy and paste it. You really have to use the system rather than simply just using the words. And that's going to start by trying it with yourself. And try and, and You'll be out creative coming up with what thoughts will thwart your victim thoughts and what thoughts will feed them.
as you practice this. Cause you'll see it, this is not rocket science. If you have a thought come to your head and it's causing you to question or doubt yourself, it's a victim thought. Plain and simple. That's the definition, a questioning thought. Now, doesn't mean it's bad. It just means you're questioning yourself. If you see that happening and you catch it and you face it in the beginning, it saves you from trying to recover after an hour of entertaining victim thoughts. You can entertain victim thoughts for a couple minutes and pull yourself out of it. But we all know what happens once we pull out the credit card and we purchase those negative victimizing feelings and thoughts we bought, we paid for them. Now they belong to us. We feel like we own them. Now we own them. Now it's like, and now we can look around and compare ourselves to everybody and and see my mom was right. I'm really not worth anything. (laughs) Like whatever your traumatizing, difficult, negative critic voice inside your head will come to the surface. Now it becomes a monster. And you don't feel like you can slay that monster. You don't feel like that's, you're capable because you feel victimized and victims don't feel strong. They don't feel courageous. They don't feel optimistic. They feel downtrodden, disheartened. They feel wrong. They're trying to make sense of why they're in the situation. And it's easy to get stuck in that why. And I feel like, you know, we talk, we've talked about this has been become very important for me to allow myself to feel and allow my children to feel but I think equally as important is to move through the feelings. And so that's, I think, why I wanted to really talk about it because, you know, I, I think I've just barely gotten to this, like, okay, I got to feel this in order to heal from it. I got I to, gotta, this is part of the process, uh, you know. And so I really, I appreciate it. I think that you have given me a lot to think about and, um, I mean, I'm certainly not exempt from those feelings and doubts and <laughs> one one way it helps people remember this in three basic words because face replace connect that's the steps whatever but um, one simple way that just helped a couple people I don't remember if I came up with it or they came up with it but it was feel forget forward hmm. you have to feel it but you must forget the feeling to move forward. Mm. Because if the feeling is stuck with you that you are worthless, you're that, that's why those real power statements help you forget the feeling. It's like, I do, it's like, I feel horrible. And you feel great about other things. Because your insecurities and depression isn't about everything. Some kids tell me, I'm horrible at everything. I go, yeah. I go, so what love you on Fortnite? Oh, I kick butt in that. Well, then you don't, you can't, that's a lie. Like that's not, a, or it's not a lie. It's not a true statement. You're well, you so know, good at I'm really shoes. good at, you know, getting out of trouble with my parents. Well, then you're a great negotiator. Like, like oh crap, like he's got a good point. I am good at that. It's really hard to remember the painful feelings if you forget, well, if you rem- like, if you remember the good stuff right now, you quickly forget the painful feeling. Uh-huh. So that's why just three words that came up was feel, forget, forward. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out into the field. Our correspondent. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a whirl. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what. Happens. First, you'd have to have victim thoughts. I don't know if that's gonna happen this it's, month. Uh, it might not. It, it, it may not happen. I mean, she it may might not happen, happen on the drive home. You'd have to doubt yourself. <laughs> you'd have to question your capability. Yeah, and that you're good. Really enough. hard for me. Not that should that should I should be able to be back back at that later on tonight. Yeah, the shame <laughs> game. The shame game. Shame game that we've talked about. This is one um, 
process and step to get you through and out of the shame game. You can't avoid the shame game. So when the victimizing thoughts come, most people go, ah, and they tuck tail and run. Or some people go, really? Maybe there's truth to that. Those are both wrong. Well, you know, last week we talked about like this importance of empowering kids at decision-making and how to help them with decision-making, which is just a, a critical, just a, a a critical independent living skill, yeah. right? And then this one to me is another critical life skill. And um, these are the things that as parents, we really have an opportunity to to empower our kids with. And so anyway, thank you. And uh, we've probably, I don't know how long we've been going. Yeah, we can't go over time when we're the boss and like we do. Like, <laughs> there's no one. The and good these thing people, about, the these good people thing are listening. They have weeding to do. Yeah, they you have guys, the car to clean out. I mean, have you guys even have you guys even started picking up the shoes in the basement? There it's you amazing. go, right? Yeah, Just start walking around. You guys can keep on listening. It's all good. Yeah, we can't get fired, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna cut us off. That, that's a good thing about doing your own podcast. When I worked at other places, like we're going over time, like. What? but I want to. We get to do whatever we want here as long as people keep on pressing the play button. Yes. And you guys, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. For you. Listening. And thank you to our community sponsor. Yes. Made this all possible. 1-800-CONTACTS. And what did we learn about 1-800-CONTACTS? They got some great things that they can do that we didn't even know they could do, Heidi. We didn't know. We didn't know that they can also help us get prescriptions. They can help us get prescriptions. They Are can. you saying on an app you can take the eye test? I haven't. I I, I got to try it. Well, visit one of our contacts because they can do a whole lot more than Heidi knew they could. It happens. You guys, I don't know everything, as it turns out. Well, we can face that victim thought on the way and, home. <laughs> and you guys, our vision is important. It is. That's in our, jeez, having some vision. Funny thing is, I don't even have contacts, and I knew more about what they could do for us than you. I mean, but I did. Have you, we'll, okay, we'll we'll talk about our <laughs> we'll another that. time. <clears throat> anyway, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Please very much. know that you can email us. You can DM us your feedback and your questions, concerns. It it helps. Probably doesn't help David as much as it helps me. It it makes me feel good to know that I'm not the only one. That's kind of it helps you get in your good feels. That it does it helps me realize that I'm not alone. Um. And it gives me a chance to connect with you, and and so please know that we're that we're here, even if you don't hear right back from us. Um, we appreciate you. We um, we're in this together, you guys. And I know that as we come together and find solutions, focus on solutions, learn how to improve our relationships, change the conversations in between our friends and our family to like all the problems, to talking about solutions amazing things are going to happen. And I'm seeing that in, in my own family and, and with the friends around me and with my kids and with their friends. Like, it's very empowering, very gratifying. And you know what? There's never going to be a, a shortage of problemos. Darn it. But, uh, and we can, we can really get better at Number one, not freaking out. Number two, airing outside of the relationship. So, you guys, as always, thanks for joining us.